Hey everyone, it's Jacob and I'm back here today with Vic for our next episode on the evolution of rock and roll. And just like we promised last time, at the, at the end of the last episode today, we're going to be talking about Woodstock. So uh, Vic, why don't you start us off uh, with some information about Woodstock? Okay, well Woodstock turned out to be probably the most uh, successful, although unsuccessful for other reasons, uh, music, the biggest, let's call it the biggest uh, rock and roll festival up until its time. Uh, it was organized uh, by Michael Lang, who was a great organizer of this kind of stuff. But he had three other people that worked with him, John Roberts, Joel Rosenman, and Artie Kornfeld. And it was Roberts and Rosenman who had the money to produce Woodstock and to get it rolling and to do the publicity and all that other stuff and organize the groups that came there. But it was Michael Lang who really did the organizing and really did all of the, uh, how would you put it, the uh, negotiating with the people involved. The marketing kind of stuff? Yes, very much. And it was in Bethel, New York, rather than Woodstock, New York, which is a distance of away actually about 40 miles mm -hmm. but it was known as the Woodstock Festival and uh, they found this property that was owned by a farmer his name was Max Yasger and Max Yasger was probably in his 50s or 60s at the time I don't know but he thought that this would be just great so they arranged between all of them to come up with a uh, three-day event, and it was August 15, 16, and 17. And uh, they started booking all of these people to do this. Now, there was a lot of people that were uh, asked to be a part of this Woodstock Festival who turned them down, which we'll get to in just a minute. So let me get to this. It turned out to be such a great event that Warner Brothers decided they were going to film almost every aspect of, of this event, which went on to win the Documentary Academy Award uh, the following year for the Best Documentary. And uh, they had all sorts of different acts booked for this. So it was something musically to please everybody. There were folk singers, there were rock and rollers, there was Latin music, there was everything. Uh, and the, the movie went on to be one of the uh, biggest money makers of the year. I mean, I remember I was in the Navy at the time, living in Orlando, Florida, even though it's a non-coastal uh, town, or, uh, at, but it was the uh, Naval Training Center, and that's where I happened to be stationed. Uh, so anyway, uh, Joni Mitchell, who didn't even uh, perform at Woodstock, wrote a song called Woodstock, which was picked up by Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, and they recorded it, and I love the words to this. I know when I taught my class, I always would say these words, because Joni Mitchell, to me, is one of the greatest poets of all time. I came upon a child of God. He was walking on down the road. And I asked him, where are you going? And this he told me. He said, I'm going on down to Yasger's farm. 
I'm going to join in the rock and roll band. I'm going to camp out on the land and try and set my soul free. Now, that alone, when I, when I heard those words, meant everything that I stood for and many others stood for back in 1969. And, uh, of course, it was uh, recorded by Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and it was uh, released into the film. Uh, that was released a year later. By the way, the film runs three hours, and I think you can get, even get a longer copy of that, the director's cut, which I happen to have, that has a lot of the acts that were not able to be put in. I mean, it was a three-day event, so not everybody mm -hmm. is included these three hours in those three hours movie. yes now here's the funny thing Bob Dylan was living at Woodstock with the band the group the band after his motorcycle accident and yet he didn't go to Woodstock he didn't appear at Woodstock and neither I don't think the band did either but the opening act for Woodstock was Creedence Clearwater Revival well I should say they were the first to sign and they signed up to perform there for $10,000. Now, I never really tried to put this on paper or in a computer or uh, any, any other way to figure out. Uh, if they were paying the band or the, the Koreans Clearwater Revival $10,000 and they had all of these acts, there were 30, I think there were 30 some, close to 40 acts. And uh, how in the world with a daily admittance ticket of $6, were they supposed mm -hmm. to make any money to do this? Well, I don't know if they were really thinking when they did this, but I, I think I would have charged, you know, the, the, the tickets for the event for three days was $18. So there you go. You guys can do the math on that. Well, I think I'd rather ignore it because <laughs> of the fact that it didn't seem... I think I would have went for a little more money, especially now since concert tickets go for hundreds of dollars per person. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's, uh, well, what can you say? So anyway, uh, a lot of people were against the event, especially the people who lived in the area. It was a farming community, and uh, it was, they were, people were afraid that things would turn out the way they did at uh, Altamont with, uh, mm, with the Rolling Stones. Yeah, with the Rolling Stones and maybe uh, violence and all sorts of things. But you know, Woodstock really did turn out to be three days of uh, peace and music. And uh, the the thing is, they had they they even had a uh, a logo that uh, they came up with, which was a bird sitting on the neck of a guitar mm -hmm. and that became the symbol of Woodstock mm -hmm. and uh, traffic jams going to Woodstock because you know, once, once you leave the metropolitan area of New York uh, it gets to be country roads and stuff like that and just like Altamont there was traffic backed up and backed up and backed up uh, like, like you can't even imagine uh, and the music ran for 24 hours straight which I thought was interesting because, wow. you know, where do people sleep? You know, where do you go to sleep? I don't know. I guess they didn't. <laughs> Some of them didn't. Some of them didn't, probably <laughs> for three days, yeah. 
so the lineup read something like this. I won't mention everybody, but I'll mention the ones that were in the movie. Uh, Richie Havens, Arlo Guthrie, Joan Baez, Country Joe McDonald, John Sebastian, Santana, Canty. Uh, now, and Jefferson Airplane and The Who. Now, what I'm going to say is that well, there were others uh, that were on the third day, and of course, the incredible Jimi Hendrix, Shadana. Uh, but these are some of the people, oh, and Joe Cocker, who gave an incredible performance of uh, With a Little Help from My Friends, which was composed by the Beatles. Uh, now, the ones that were not included in the movie that should be mentioned. I will mention, and it's interesting that these superstars, these supergroups, were not mentioned uh, or not seen in the film. Uh, the Grateful Dead, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Janis Joplin. Um, oh, by the way, uh, Sly and the Family Stone were in the film. Uh, let me see. Oh, ten years after was in the film, yes. And the band did perform, but they were not in the film. Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Johnny Winter with his brother Edgar Winter. And, uh, of course, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young were in the film, and they sang The Sweet Judy Blue Eyes, which was dedicated, of course, to uh, uh, Judy Collins, the folk singer Judy Collins. So was that song, Woodstock, that you said... Um that they performed, did they, did Joni Mitchell write that before Woodstock or after Woodstock? I, she wrote it afterwards, I believe, and, uh, and it, uh, when she played it uh, and uh, exposed it to her friends, that they thought, wouldn't it be great if we could get in the studio and record it in our style rather than Joni Mitchell's style? Now, Joni Mitchell has it on one of her albums. I think it's Ladies of the Canyon, and that's actually my favorite recording of Woodstock hmm. because... She, the, the arrangement that she does uses only a couple of instruments and a background chorus of uh, female singers who sound very much like Native American singers that you see in the uh, cowboy and Indians, I shouldn't use the word Indians, but cowboy and Indian movies of the 40s and 50s. And uh, it, it just uh, has this wonderful, natural... Americana feeling to it, mm. whereas Crosby, Stills and Nash is much more of a rock or folk rock kind of version of it. Mm -hmm. uh, so anyway, a couple of the other people that were asked to be at Woodstock, well, the Beatles were sort of up there, but the thing is they were on the verge of breaking up. Mm. They were not doing very well. Uh, a couple of others, uh, The Doors, but The Doors, eh, they didn't think it was going to be much. And this is in 1969, just to, I don't know if we mentioned that for anyone who might not know. Exactly, yes. To, to, they, they, they were asked, they were considered, uh, and uh, the thing is, they performed, or they thought that it would be just a repeat of the Monterey Festival, which was a smash. But the Monterey Festival was a smash for other reasons. Mm. Uh, it, it introduced us to Janis Joplin, introduced us to Jimi Hendrix, uh, and 
of course, The Who smashed up all of their instruments at the end of their <laughs> performance at the Monterey Festival. So that was sort of known for that. They also considered uh, Led Zeppelin. Mm. And uh, they really wanted to do it, but they thought, nah, we're just going to be another band that's going to be performing there. Mm. That's what I've read anyway. And uh, you can't believe everything you read, but I think a lot of this is true. The Birds, which was one of the first uh, folk rock bands to have great success, uh, just dismissed it as just another music festival, okay? And the Moody Blues got a gig in Paris, and they thought, yeah, let's go to Paris. Mm. Well, we'll skip Woodstock, we'll go to Paris. And Joni Mitchell, who wrote the song Woodstock, was scheduled to perform, but she canceled. Uh, her manager uh, asked her to cancel, and she appeared on the Dick Cabot talk show, which I have a copy of that on mm. tape, or I've seen it on the internet. And uh, while Woodstock was sort of going full force for those three days, Joni Mitchell appeared on uh, television from New York City instead, mm. which I think... That's okay. It's, it's, a, it's okay. Now, one of the things in the movie that they left in quite a bit of was footage of the uh, terrible, terrible storm that came. I believe that was on Sunday afternoon. And everybody was making the best of it. They, uh, in the movie, it's so funny because you see people running down this uh, uh, slope and sliding in the mud into other people. And you also see the music, of course, had to stop during the storm. So you could see that a lot of the people who were in the audience got things like cans and sticks and things, and they started doing all sorts of rhythmic things with these make-believe instruments, which was sort of like the beginning of uh, skiffle music back in the 1950s. Mm. And they were making this up. and. Here we were, uh, 20 years later, doing the very same thing, and they were all soaking wet, and people started skinny-dipping in the water and uh, doing all sorts of things that uh, most people would run for shelter. But everybody was just enjoying the mud and the whole natural nature at its, at its if, you, if you want to call it, the worst. But to these people, it wasn't. They made the very best of it. Mm. You know, Jacob, I think I made a uh, little bit of an error earlier. I think I implied that Altamont was before Woodstock, uh, the Rolling Stones concert, but mm. that's not the way it was. Woodstock came first in August of 69, and in December of 69 came Altamont, and uh, they... Uh, in fact, they labeled the Altamont concert as Woodstock West. So I hope I made that a little clearer. Anyway, I would like to uh, bring up a couple of other things that uh, uh, a lot of people don't know out there, uh, unless you try to find information like I did. Uh, the population of Bethel, New York, was 2,366 people at the time of Woodstock. Uh, Santana, I have to tell you, Santana gave probably one of the most exciting performances I've ever seen on film. 
The song was called Soul Sacrifice, and of course it had all those Latin rhythms and conga drums and bongos and all sorts of things, plus an incredible uh, guitar solo by uh, Carlos Santana. And uh, it's, it's probably the, my favorite performance, uh, if I'm looking for excitement, that is, on the Woodstock uh, uh, film. Uh, let me see. Some other interesting things. The Grateful Dead were paid $7,500 uh, to perform at Woodstock. And uh, the Who were paid $11,200. Yikes. That's really interesting. And according to uh, what I read uh, on the internet, which I hate to quote the internet because I don't know if I want to believe everything there, but the uh, a woman's group from the Jewish Community Center of Monticello, New York, uh, descended on Woodstock with 30,000 sandwiches for people who needed food. Now, in the 1999 Woodstock, a small bottle of water was $4, and in Woodstock 1999, people revolted at the concert. And I don't want to go into it too much, but I'd like to bring that in here as an insert, comparing it with the 1969 Woodstock. Mm -hmm. There's recently been a film that was released about the 1999 concert, and I can't remember the exact title, but it's something like Three Days of Peace and Destruction or something like that. I, I, I just watched it a few weeks ago, but uh, it, when it was on pay TV. And uh, people revolted against that. And don't forget, $4 in 1999 compared 20 years later was $4. You know, now it's nothing, you know, the way things have gone recently. Uh, they expected anywhere from fifty to 60,000 people at the most to attend the concert, and it turned out to be eh, 500,000. So there was a lot of trouble uh, in some ways, but a lot of people overlooked it. If you wanted to call home, they had uh, payphones set up. If you don't know what a payphone is, uh, a payphone is something that used to have almost on every corner of every town. So because that was before cell phones, and so you would use dimes and nickels and quarters to call home. And of course, it was uh, a lot cheaper today to use your cell phone. You could call anywhere in the country. But back then, I remember when I was in the Navy uh, and I was stationed in Newfoundland, I would call home and I would almost have to go to the bank and take out every nickel and dime and quarter they had so I could phone home on a Sunday afternoon. Okay, some of the other things that happened at Woodstock, uh, two women gave birth to babies during those three days. And the time for making one of those phone calls, as I said, was approximately two hours. Uh, they had also porta potties, if you know what that is, mm -hmm. set up at Woodstock. And of course, they had to be maintained. There's a very interesting scene in the Woodstock movie where a man who was approximately in his late 40s. Uh, is cleaning out a porta potty with a giant hose, and he's a very jovial kind of character. And he says, 
I'm very proud of these people who came here to Woodstock, these young kids. He said, my son is actually here. And as he's going from one port of potty to the other, he says, and I also have a son in Vietnam. And it's, uh, I'm, I'm very glad that they left that in the film because back uh, when the film came out, so many young people were totally against the Vietnam War that it was great to hear something like that. It makes you think in both directions. Uh, if you were leaving New York City to go to Bethel, it took approximately, to go the 98 miles, eight hours. Wow. Wow. And I think that's just the Lincoln Tunnel. No, I'm only kidding. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> if you wanted to buy a ticket for a single day, it wasn't exactly six bucks, it was eight bucks. But if you wanted to get a ticket for all three days, it was 18 bucks. So, of course, you know, you had to mm -hmm. get a deal. Yeah. Uh, Thirteen months after Jimi Hendrix did his uh, performance at Woodstock, which actually was, wait till you hear this, Monday morning. It wasn't scheduled to go until Monday morning, but the sun came up and Jimi wasn't on yet, and so he played. Now, he played for approximately maybe 40,000 people. Everybody had already left. They were all going home by this time. And Jimi Hendrix, and thank God we have it on tape, played the Star Spangled Banner, and it became very, very symbolic of his, of, of his life. But 13 months after he performed that on Monday morning at Woodstock, for just a handful of people, if you want to call it that, he died. So a month later, Janis Joplin died. Well, you know, it's... Uh, oh, and by the way, in case you were into uh, marijuana, uh, $15 was the price for an ounce of marijuana. I wonder what it would be today. <laughs> uh, let me see. There were 31 acts that appeared on the stage at Woodstock... And uh, the thing is, there was sometimes a lot of time between one act and the other till they took down the instruments from one group and uh, put up the instruments and also the settings for the next group. There were 36 nurses uh, to, who treated 6,000 patients at Woodstock. And there were 50 doctors who were flown in from New York City on Saturday, August 16th, uh, to help take care of uh, anything that may have, may have happened, such as drug overdoses or... Oh, by the way, there were three deaths. Uh, two people died of... Uh, one was, I know, a heroin uh, overdose, and another person, I think, died of some, some other kind of drug-related... Uh, death and one person was actually run over by a tractor from what I've been led Jeez. to believe could you imagine that a tractor good grief three days of peace and love hmm. one of the nice things about Woodstock is as we uh, talked about with the Beatles uh, after 1967 they had a hard time performing in public because they could not duplicate what they did in the studio 
the Beatles albums after that or before that time actually became albums to be listened to rather than to be performed uh, in public because of the fact that you just didn't have uh, the capabilities of doing that. So at Woodstock, even if you had a singer just playing with a guitar and singing, everyone was able to hear with the technology that we had then. And some of those people were John Sebastian, who just played the guitar and sang, Arlo Guthrie, who played the guitar and sang, uh, Joan Baez, who played the guitar and sang. And by the way, the nice thing about Joan Baez is uh, they have a little bit of an interview with her backstage at Woodstock where she was talking about her husband who was serving time in jail for protesting the Vietnam War, as so many people did back then. I think it's very interesting that Peter, Paul, and Mary were not at Woodstock, uh, but they were not. Uh, and another one was Richie Havens. Richie Havens did a very elaborate and exciting set, uh, and the audience just ate him up. They just thought he was terrific. Uh, now, one other person I would like to say before I do, though, uh, most of the people who performed at Woodstock are still around today. Now, we're talking uh, 52 years ago, and... Uh, not everybody was a teenager performing at Woodstock, but a lot of them are still around today, and I think that that's really great. But there are a couple, of course, that I would like to mention, as I mentioned with Jimi Hendrix and Janis Joplin, who unfortunately met with a very sad ending. But another one who passed away just a few years ago was Alvin Lee. Alvin Lee of uh, 10 years after. He gives this tremendous performance at Woodstock. Uh, and of course, he's a very, very blues-oriented guitarist and singer. And uh, I, I really feel that he didn't have to pass away, except that he went into the hospital for an operation. And uh, he did not pull through the operation. I think he... Uh, succumb to some problem with anesthetics. You know, as I mentioned earlier, Woodstock 69 was definitely three days of peace and music. And in approximately the year 2001, maybe 2000, I was giving a lecture in my class about Woodstock 69 which covered just about everything that we mentioned here today. And I said to... I, there was very little known back then to me about Woodstock 99, but I said to my class, is there anyone in here who went to Woodstock 99? And a young man sitting in the last row of the class raised his hand, and I don't remember his name, but I said, what was it like... He said, oh, God, he said, it was, it was chaos. It was absolute chaos. People were rioting and, and throwing things and setting fire to things. And it was all because of things like paying $4 for a small bottle of water or whatever price he mentioned for a hot dog. 
he said, you know, if you didn't go there with a lot of money, he said, you were being taken advantage of mm-hmm. by this time. And uh, I said, wow, what must have been a, a big difference from prices of 1999 and today, which is uh, the year 2021. Uh, and I suppose that's very true. I can kind of remember going to restaurants and paying four ninety nine for dinner, and now you go to restaurants and it's like twenty nine ninety nine. <laughs> but uh, I could see how a lot of young people who were just excited about going to a big event uh, and being feeling like they were being taken advantage of could very is- easily join that bandwagon. Uh, as I'm sure people do in lots of situations where they're protesting various things. Uh, For instance, the uh, January 16th, 2021 uh, riot at the nation's capital, or people even in other countries who are protesting for their rights. Uh, It doesn't take a lot to influence people. Especially that mob mentality or something. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a form of mob, mob mentality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a shame, but that's the way things are, and we kind of go, we kind of go sometimes with the flow of the public or the flow of what's in the back of your mind. Like, yeah, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna do that too. I'm gonna go out there and give and voice my opinion and speak my mind and and that's uh, that's one of the things of human nature that uh, I think we should all step back and make a, a judgment of our own beliefs mm-hmm. and stick with them. And get some hindsight before you do something. Yeah, because a lot of people, oh, by the way, uh, I heard today, this is the 2nd of August, 2021, And I heard today on the news that a third officer who was protecting the nation's capital on January the 6th of this past six months, seven months, uh, committed suicide today. Wow. So that was definitely a very traumatic experience for these men, as it was, I think, for a lot of other people. And it can very easily sway your opinion one way or the other, depending on whether you're a right or left or left or right. And uh, I would just like to say, I'm not a philosopher, but I would like to say, let's all think before we do some of the things that we do. Yeah. Yeah, think it out and judge who you are and where you're coming from. Mm. And I think that's one thing that Woodstock did that was for the good of people. Everybody seemed to be... This is what love is. This is what 1968, the year of love, brought us in 1969 Mm -hmm. through the beautiful and exciting music of the time. And, uh, well, to me, that that wraps up Woodstock. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. I think that's about all the time we have for today. I hope you enjoyed listening about Woodstock. And... Um, We'll have a new episode coming out soon. Bye.